Welcome to the Interop. My guest today is Noam Cohen. He's the Interchain Builders Program Lead at Binary Builders. They're building public goods for the Interchain. In today's conversation, we'll discuss Binary Builders and their role as maintainers of the Cosmos SDK and the Interchain Builders Program. We'll discuss the research led by the team and specifically the Atom Alignment Treasury proposal, which goes up for governance on the hub this week. We'll talk about how Atom Treasury could be used to promote AEZ growth and success metrics and the implications of Prop 848 on the future of Atom as money. I'm also dying to find out why he thinks a potential hub fork is a net win for Atom. Before we get started, make sure to hit the like button and subscribe to get notified when new episodes drop every week. Remember that none of what we discuss here on The Interrupt is investment advice. And if you enjoy this content, please consider sticking with us. We're validating on Atmos, Quicksilver, Osmosis, and Juno. Just look for Interrupt in the active set. My guest, Noam Cohen, is coming up right here on The Interrupt. Hey, Noam. How's it going? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me here. Yeah, great. Thank you uh, for coming on. It's been a long time coming. And like, I feel like a lot of guests I bring on, it's like, I've really wanted to get you on for a long time. And, <laughs> and um, I guess it's just because there's so many good people to bring on the podcast in Cosmos that like, you just, I mean, there's like so many episodes I could do at a time, right? So uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you're finally on and uh, to talk about... Uh, the build, uh, binary builders, the work you guys are doing around uh, sort of incubating and accelerating uh, teams in the interchain, and also specifically, I think we're going to spend a lot of time talking about um, the Atom Alignment Treasury proposal that is due to go up just as this comes out. So basically, this week. Um, so yeah, let's get into all that. But first, just for those who might not know you, give us a brief background on yourself, and uh, I think. It's worth mentioning that you're not only building in the interchain, you're also the front man for our rock band, which is pretty cool. <laughs> and I've, I've yet to hear your music. So maybe, yeah. maybe you should, should chill your, your, your spot. Well, you know, that's, that's, it's funny. I, I tend to keep those lives somehow separated or compartmentalized. I don't know why I, I do, but, uh, yeah, um, I'll give you a bit of an intro of my history, my, my history. So. I, I dropped out of college like six times, uh, and uh, like actually, uh, and and, and uh, uh, I focused primarily on like game development, game design, and, and also philosophy. Uh, those are the ones I spent most time on, and um, worked a lot in like small jobs while I was basically a musician, touring musician in, in Europe and the states, and uh, um, and and a lot of that work was sort of like IT related, um, but not somewhere where I could really build up a career. And then in 2017, I started getting into crypto, um, primarily because it was interesting from the technical perspective. Became a trader at some point for a while, uh, which is you know always a, a real roller coaster. Um, and at some point, I think somewhere in 2021, I was like, you know, this isn't really for me. This isn't actually where I'm using my brain. Uh, but I do like this crypto thing, so how can I get involved in a different way? And I applied to the Interchain Foundation, and I became the DevRel for a developer relations engineer for the uh, for the Cosmos Hub. I worked together with Billy at the time, and um, and a little later, I turned. Uh, I became the yeah the developer relations lead. I was responsible for the Interchain Developer Academy and the um, Developer Portal, which is like an entry point for a lot of the new developers in Cosmos. 
And then somewhere around time of, yeah, actually the beginning of this year and of last year, um, I moved to the Builders Program, the Interchain Builders Program, and, um, you know, together with Steph and a few other folks. And, uh, and then that was at Binary Builders at some point. So that's, uh, that's, that's roughly the summary. I don't know if anything's missing. Yeah, and then this is this whole music thing where, yeah, that, that, was, that is a life. That was a life. I'm not really on stage that much these days, but uh, yeah. So you're not really touring so much these days? No, I mean, like, not really. I mean, we actually, I was gone for uh, the pretty much the entirety of November and we recorded an album, um, which will come out in a while. Um, but uh, yeah, that's that's a bit of a, it's difficult. Like, we all have different jobs now, different lives. Like, this all happened around the pandemic where, where everyone changed their, you know, priorities. And, and I guess for me, it became this, uh, which is cool. I'm happy with in my role right now and I'm happy I could still make music, so. Yeah, cool. Uh, well, I, mean, I, I I try to make music once in a while. Uh, nice. I've got a bit of gear back here, but um, yeah, yeah. I think you know when you like work a full time job or like have a company and like you want to you know keep, keep sort of like making music, it's it's tricky. It's yeah. really challenging, and yeah. Um, yeah, find find a time for hobbies. I think is is always difficult, but important uh, for sure. You, you know, want to live a balanced life. Yeah, maybe maybe uh, we'll put the link to your to your Spotify in the in the show <laughs> sure. notes. Um, so yeah, what is binary builders? Because like I think a lot of people sort of people don't really know who what, like what is this team or you know how is mm -hmm. it affiliated with the ICF? Because a lot of folks at binary builders were previously at the ICF. So like right. I feel maybe there's a little bit of confusion there. So maybe just uh, explaining what it is and you know how it came to be. Sure. Yeah, I guess for this, the historical context would be important um, where essentially uh, at last year and before that, the, we had that Interchain Foundation. We had the SEK team, the IBC team, and also the Tenderman team at the time um, working on the full Interchain stack uh, together with, of course, other entities in, in the ecosystem. Um, and there were some cultural differences between the team. Um, there were some concerns with like leadership making uh making like a unified strategy around the whole stack and and yeah differences of opinion essentially that caused uh a few of us to basically decide like hey we want to branch out and do not branch out but like leave and start our own firm or or join another firm and so owner and marco um owner at the time was responsible for the builders program together with steph and then marco was the product lead for the sck he still is they decided like, hey, um, let's go start Binary Builders. They already had Binary Holdings, which was the validator that was on the Cosmos Hub and Osmosis and a few others. And that was a good starting point. And so in, in the beginning of this year, uh, Binary Builders was officially there. And the whole SDK team, as well as the Builders program team, essentially migrated to Binary Builders. And yeah, and, and that's been going quite well for, 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 for this last year, actually. We've been having a a really good time in the company. I think the culture that we have internally is very fun and, and engaging. And um, yeah, I feel like I'm really at my place here. And um, yeah, in terms of like, what does binary do? Or what is it? So yeah, we've received funding from the Interchain Foundation to do this public goods work, which is for the SDK and for um, uh, for the builders program. And then we, of course, also have our validator, which is something we just run independently. And we also have Numia, which is sort of a data analytics firm that operates relatively isolated from us. Like, it's not like we, you know, that's, that's almost its own company. Um, and that sort of like, I think plays into the strength of binary builders in general, where each team is generally relatively independent. We do our own thing. We make sure we get our own funding, right? So it's not like so like when we get, need funding for the builders program with the ICF, like we take care of that, our team, and then the SDK takes care of it for themselves. Uh, and if Numia 
um, you know, Numia is a, is a profitable business. Uh, and so, you know, they take care of that for themselves as well. And our thinking is also that, you know, it's a great place for us to build intellectual capital, to build talent. And if people in the company essentially want to start their own uh, product, their own firm, their own thing, their own little side project that can turn into something larger like Numia, then that's highly encouraged. Um, and so it's a great sort of like starting ground or like starting place for, for something bigger. Mm, okay, cool. And how, how big is the team? The, the whole binary group, basically the, yeah, yeah, I think we're at about 17 people right now, roughly, I would have to check, um, something like this. So but yeah, growing essentially. Okay. So internally, I guess like the, the two main activities, uh, I mean, of course there's like Numia, but you mentioned it's, it's sort of isolated from, mm -hmm. uh, the main activities of, of binary builders. The two main activities is maintaining the Cosmos SDK and uh, the Interchain Builders program. Could you maybe describe the yeah the Interchain Builders program and you know how you help teams and also at what stage uh, you provide support to uh, teams? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so the Interchain Builders program started out as an accelerator program where essentially minus the investment, but we would help teams. Um, generally pre-seed stage or like early stage teams who were wondering, okay, well, how do I even set up a legal entity, for example, or how do I deal with fundraising? Basically on all the business sides, the business side of the story, go to market strategy, their token economics, uh, but also on the technical side, because we do have close ties, well, clearly with the SDK team, but also with IBC and, and the common BFT team. And so we assist projects in just trying to, you know, we try to make their um, projects more successful. Um, and then we do it in, in sort of like hands-on, you know, we have workshops where we should come together with the team specifically and we work on, on specific detail of like, oh, well, what about this go-to-market strategy? Or if they're trying to fundraise, they, they essentially give the pitch to us and we work with them on multiple sessions to, to get the pitch in a better shape. And then we share them with the um, investors in our network uh, and we try to help them you know, raise funds essentially. Um, and yeah, that's been going really well. I think somewhere around the mid of this year, like halfway through, we realized also that, you know, there are a lot of people applying or just generally interested that aren't necessarily building a Cosmos project, but they were interested in integrating into Cosmos somehow or creating, getting partnerships within the Cosmos ecosystem. And for us, it's also very important to start thinking about like, how do we reach out to the wider Web3 community? Um, and so we are also now in touch and, and supporting teams um, outside of Cosmos in terms of like trying to get them integrated into IBC or trying to get them integrated into, or maybe they want to use some specific token in, in, in Cosmos or they want to partner up with some specific chain. And we try to see if we can help them. Um, and yeah, and so some things are changing now. So, you know, we've done a bit of a retroactive uh, or it's like a retrospective uh, view on, on the year and in terms of like, is this the best way to spend our money? Is this the best way to promote growth in the ecosystem? And the thinking was that what we should probably prioritize is less so the accelerator program and more so this thing where we reach out to projects or projects reach out to us that are outside of Cosmos. And so next year, um, we're in, in the process now of like formalizing this and, and getting that clear with the ICF, but next year um, we'll likely do a lot more outbound business development, meaning that we'll start reaching out to enterprises, we'll start reaching out to um, Web3 companies outside of Cosmos to see if there's any interest in migrating to Cosmos. There's been a lot of really good success stories so far this year, DYDX being one of the biggest ones. 
And um, we want to make sure that there's more of those kind of scenarios happening, essentially. I and mean, we want to create the, the support structure that's there and also the sales structure, essentially, because that's really it. We need to do more sales and more marketing and more uh, reach out to, to people to start building in Cosmo and start using IBC. Yeah, I think like that's such a, an underrated support function that uh, Cosmos, I mean, has, but it's been... I think it is, we're starting to see organizations kind of take on that role, that business development role. Uh, I was listening to um, the episode that Ethan and Sam, uh, Sam Hart and Ethan Buckman recently did on uh, uh, on the Empire podcast, one of the BlockWorks uh, podcasts. And, and Ethan was, was, was pointing to this very problem, right? That because Cosmos is so decentralized, right. uh, it's been difficult to have very efficient or effective business development now, you know, I think it's it's a stretch to think that Cosmos will ever have very efficient uh, business development in the same way that maybe Avalanche has or Near or some of these other organizations that have a sort of a focal point in, in terms of a foundation or organization that really takes on that role. But, you know, given the landscape of Cosmos and how decentralized it is, I think we need to figure out what is the best way to exactly. have uh, business development and sort of external facing support uh, for the ecosystem. And, you know, having teams like binary builders uh, take on part of that role, I think, is like really crucial. Um, AA DAO obviously takes on, I think, some of that as well. I'd love to see mm -hmm. the Interchain Foundation also, you know, act as a um, as a funneling mechanism, perhaps to, you know, direct some some queries and things like that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it sounds like this is sort of starting to come together. Like, what's the roadmap, you think, for you know, improving um business development in, in the interchain and in Cosmos more generally? Well, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head in the, in the issue for, you know, it being so decentralized. I do think a few things need to happen and they are happening. Um, so at first, I think the ICF needs to, you know, ha take a more active role in, in this in this position. Um, and I know that they're actively hiring like a marketing director, which should also take on some business development roles. The way that I see it for this year is that you know they hire a person there, which is essentially the the person we report to, um, in terms of our RBD efforts. Um, for us, it's like we are already at the moment, like literally as we speak, um, um, creating a target list of projects that we want to reach out to. What we do then is like we list all the different categories that we think, hey, if a project from this migrates to Cosmos or if they integrate to Cosmos. What's the impact for the Cosmos ecosystem? If that's high, cool, then let's explore what the the selling point is for the Cosmos stack or the interchain stack, et cetera. So like that list is being crafted right now. We're building decks um, and, and we're trying to get the contacts ready to, to make sure that we can reach out to them and get a foot in the door. So so that's happening in Q1. We're going to get started with this straight away. Yeah. And on the on the ICF side, they are, you know, doing two things. They're hiring uh, marketing people for each individual product team. So we are currently actually in the hiring process for, for marketing folks at the SDK team. Like the ICF has a marketing team, um, but they're, you know, they have too much work on their hands. They can't be responsible for all these individual pieces of the stack, for example. So, so that's being sort of like addressed now finally, and that's great. I also think there's a place for a BD role in each individual team as well, specifically for the SDK and IBC. Uh, but in the meantime, we're trying to do what we can. We also have other bottlenecks here, for example, specifically when you look at IBC, when you know, we are seeing interest from, from other ecosystems to integrate IBC, it's just that the work required to do that is 
so big, right? Building a, a light client is one thing, but then you also have to build the IBC, uh, the, the implementation itself. If it's not a chain that's written in Golang or in Rust, it's going to be very, very difficult to actually integrate IBC. It's going to take a lot of work. And so the question then is like, who's doing that? Who knows enough about this to do that? And the IBC team at the ICF um, has limited capacity because they're working on the protocol. So there's, there's not just BD, but there's also making sure that we have the developmental resources to support anyone interested in actually building on top of Cosmos. And so, yeah, that's a work in progress. Um, and we have some thoughts on, on how to address some of these things. We'll have to see sort of how things go. But I know that that satisfies your, your, your question. Um, yeah, no, yeah. I mean, that, it, I, mean, that uh, I think makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I guess uh, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. And also, like, I guess the, the real challenge here is figuring out how to coordinate all these different teams and being exactly. like, highly efficient at, you know, making sure nobody overlaps and that there's efficiency in terms of like where our resources are allocate, allocated. And that's often the most difficult part, right? Yeah. Um, as, as we know in Cosmos, coordination can be sometimes a bit tricky. Yeah. We'd like to talk about the the work you guys have been doing doing on the research side. So we had Yusef on a couple of weeks ago from AA DAO. Folks who maybe haven't listened to that episode should go check it out. But basically, AA DAO has uh, had a a grant um, uh, that was issued out to several teams in the ecosystem to do work on very specific areas uh, relating to the hub. Uh, that work was split up between three entities: those Blockworks Research, RMIT and uh, binary builders. And so I, I'd like to maybe describe the different areas of, of research um, that these grants were given out to. Of course, like we've talked about this on the podcast, but maybe for folks who are not mm -hmm. for, super familiar with that. And, and also, you know, what is the area that you guys have been responsible for? Right, yeah. So there's three teams that have been involved here, which is uh, Blockworks and uh, RMIT, the university, and then binary builders. The way that I sort of describe it generally is that the Blockworks is thinking very so all of it is sort of the topic of to tokenomics and governance and the agreements between sort of like interchanges uh, a within the AZ perhaps I mean that's the best way to look at it and um, the way I, I see it is that Blockworks is very much involved in sort of the inflow of money uh, in terms of like um, you know that's monetary policy fiscal policy so we're talking about the inflation uh, rate for example and how to handle that we're talking about. Uh, some taxes that they're thinking of, like a voting power tax, basically that that sort of like sh shifts some things around. That's better to talk to Blockworks about it because they have some really interesting things uh, uh, to think about here. Um, and then uh, binary is more sort of like thinking about, well, the other side of that equation, which is like how do we spend the money effectively? And so that is, in one way, that's um, protocol-owned liquidity and you know, liquidity as a service, which is something that we sort of touch upon with the Adam Alignment Treasury, which we'll go into, I guess. And then uh, secondly, it's sort of like, how do we pay for our uh, developers, for example, or our validators um, um, and, and some other costs that we have? And how do we do that effectively? And for that, we have sort of like two modules in mind um, that, that will address that problem. Because we, we are seeing now some very interesting things happening in the wild. And that's what we're trying to respond to, essentially. It's like the requests and multiple proposals for, for um, you know, protocols to ask for liquidity from the hub in order to, you know, liquid stake it and then put it onto a liquidity pool, which is super interesting. That's, that's one use case that we see in the wild. And another thing that we're seeing is like the recent proposal from Informo and Haifa to get funding from, from the community pool in order to fund the development. Um, 
And we're also seeing this other issue, which is validators just having a really hard time to stay afloat now, with you know, especially in the bear market, um, with interchange security and the costs getting so high. So those are essentially topics that we want to um, address. And then RMIT, the third part, uh, third player there, is essentially sort of like looking at all of that from the outside and saying, well, how do we govern um, some of these things and how do we actually make decisions in some of these um, fronts? So specifically also talking about the, the agreements that we have with the interchange secured zones, um, like Neutron and, and Stride, and, and, and um, yeah, how do, we, how do we come to agreement about what are these contracts like and how do we revisit them if necessary? Um, and that's sort of like, yeah, the things that we're doing in summary. And specifically with the re research that Binary Builders has been leading, uh, what, what's the progress there and what have you published so far? Yeah, so, um, so far we've published two sort of like research articles, research posts, let's call it that, on the forum. Um, one for the Atom Alignment Treasury, which goes into a very long-term vision of what that could be. And another one for the Developer Revenue Incentivization Program, or the DRIP, which essentially um, is a summary of like, how do we pay for companies like Informal, uh, how do we pay for their work in a much more efficient way instead of essentially dumping 5 million Atom on the market in one go and then uh, you know making sure that, that they have enough USDC. Um, so th those things are, are, are published, like the description of how those things would work. For the Atom Alignment Treasury, there's also an actual proposal that's now on the forum that will go on chain this week. Um, so that's that's good. So that's not a proposal for, you know, like integrating the, the, the module itself. That is a proposal for like, hey, does this sound about right? Is this the direction we want to go in? If so, thank you. We'll get started on developing this module. Um, that's 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 the summary of that essentially. And then there's this third module that we are. Um, so yeah, I have I have to I have to still publish a post about this, but that's essentially going to be done in January, February, and will also be an on-chain proposal. The same for the drip, which will also be on-chain. I think in January. So three modules, all on all on-chain uh, proposals, requesting approval to start developing them. I think by the end of February, all of them. Okay, so so this uh, this atom alignment treasury. I mean, you, this was posted to the Cosmos Hub forum in September. Uh, it's a pretty lengthy post that describes uh, you know, how the hub could align itself with interchain security secured chains, uh, as well as the broader ecosystem to drive mm -hmm. value to uh, to to atom. So there's three stated objectives: it's AZ growth. The financial alignment with consumer chains and increasing decentralization of hub voting power. Um, how do we achieve these things, and what are the biggest challenges? Because I mean, there there's the there's describing right what is the strategy and what are the objectives, but then there's the actual implementation, and that's much more challenging. So how do you think yeah. about these things? So the first two topics, AZ growth and financial alignment with consumer chains, I think that's uh, I think that's more worked out at the moment. The decentralization of the hub's voting power is also actually being addressed a little bit more by BlockWorks than than our current thinking for the AAT. Um, so that's been sort of deprioritized as a uh, as 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 a feature for the first phase of the AAT, at least the Adam Alignment Treasury. Um, what we mean with AEZ growth is just um, we we mean sort of like you know enabling protocols to to launch successfully and i'll take i'll take a recent example here and in fact i can, I can take maybe a, a more modern example that, that will probably come up in the future um but let's talk about stride first so stride is is a consumer chain they are a liquid staking provider um and, and they you know 
they want um, Adam to be liquid staked, and, and and we think that that's you know at least like a lot of us think that that's a good idea because this will enable uh, more Adam to be available in DeFi, and if more Adam is available in DeFi, that means that people are you know that those strategies that you can deploy um, in on around Adam will be more stable, and as such, Adam will be more attractive to trade with, and maybe will increase demand. Um, and so when we think about growth here, we think about, well, how do we make Stripe more successful? And one way to do that is to actually, um, you know, to, to, to make the liquidity pools where one can trade the liquid staked atom with regular atom to make them more stable. So right now, for example, the, there's still a bunch of spikes uh, in, the, in the pricing there, for example. So, you know, if, if you're trying, the issue with that is that if you're trying to borrow against your liquid staked atom, for example, and the price can spike uh, really rapidly, uh, or there's like a lot of volatility because there's not enough liquidity, you can get liquidated on your on your position. And that's something we want to avoid because it makes it less attractive to do DeFi things with Adam. So so that's one way to look at it. Um, then we can take a new example. Uh, there's this project out there um, called Amulet. And they are a very interesting project that allows you to basically get an advance on your atom yield. Um, you give them your atom, they'll stake it, and you get an advance. And basically, it's a self-repaying loan. This only works if the token that they give you, um, the am atom in this case, is, you know, um, essentially pegged to to the to the atom token. And there is a arbitrage opportunity for people to, to make sure that this is always pegged. But in the beginning, um, this will always be very difficult for them to actually get that peg going. So one way to go about this is, and this is the way where the hub people, where the hub can essentially support these projects to say, you know what, we'll borrow you some liquidity. We'll, we can get it back at some later stage. We'll borrow you some liquidity, and then um, you know. Uh, you guys can go ahead and um, create an LP where the AM ad, the AM Adam and the Adam token uh, will essentially be a little bit better pegged. I think they're coming out with that at some point. Maybe, maybe I'm jumping the gun a little bit here, but uh, I think it, regardless of whether or not they do that, I think that's a great idea. And I think this is as a as a premise, this is something really wonderful that we can do where it's not just that we're offering security, um, shared security as a service, but now we can also offer growth as a service through liquidity injection or liquidity as a service. That's on the growth topic. Uh, and then there's also the alignment topic. Should I get into that one as well? Yeah, I, I want to ask you about the, maybe yeah. just stop on the growth topic for a second. So I mean, like growing the, growing Adam value and, you know, growing the AZ uh, as an idea, I think is is uh, a laudable goal. I mean, but there's two questions here. I think one, when we need to define what is AZ, because there are different definitions going around about what that is exactly. Yeah. Some people think that it's ICS secure chains only. Uh, others are in, and I'm, I think I'm part of this, mostly part of this camp is that I think the AZ is more of an economic zone, uh, as mm -hmm. the name implies, more so than a security zone. So I would think that, you know, protocols that make protocols that uh, encourage the use of Atom or that uh, drive usage of Atom, like Osmosis, for example, should also be considered part of like some economic zone, even though they're not secured by the by the hub. Um, so there, you know, what's your view on this? And then the other question would be like, what are the KPIs for growth? Like, How do we in say in a year or two years or five years from now, uh, look back and say, okay, AEZ has grown. Right. Very good questions. So on the definition of AEZ, so I think let's take a definition that I think we can all agree with on a different topic, which is the Atom Secured Zone. The Atom Secured Zone is literally the Cosmos Hub and then all other networks that are secured by Atom. 
Yeah. Um, this is going to get a little bit more tricky when you get into the topic of uh, mesh security, where you know a chain might be secured by multiple tokens as well uh, as Atom. Um, so then we're, we're going to have this conversation again, I think. But sorry, go ahead. Yeah, restaking also, I think we'll make. Yeah, it yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Um, so, so we're going to have this conversation again at that point. But that's one definition, and I think without a doubt, I would like to say that the AEZ, the Atom Economic Zone, is inherently larger than the Atom Secured Zone. Uh, that's that's the basic premise I go with. And then how large is that and what does that include? That's a really good question. Sunny is a, is, is a large proponent of saying um, osmosis is part of the Atom Economic Zone. I tend to agree because without osmosis, Atom would have not been as successful as it is today. Um, we depend on osmosis in many ways. Um, there is a sort of like a, a non-outspoken sort of like agreement between um, the Cosmos Hub and, and Osmosis, uh, we both benefit from each other. If the Cosmos Hub would go away, Osmosis would suffer. If the Osmosis would go away, the Cosmos Hub would suffer. This is not something you can say for something like, I don't know, Injective or some other network where that connection is not so easily drawn. So yeah, I don't think it's ever been formalized, that sort of relationship. Um, I think this new proposal, 858, is a good way of formalizing that. And it's looking to pass, actually. I'm just actually checking my screen right now but like it looks yeah, like that it, looks yeah. like it's an it's overwhelming like 70 yes some percent yes as of yeah. uh monday december yeah. 11th yeah perfect yeah that's an overwhelming yes so so i, I think that's a great sign um i think that also, also i think it's sort of a sign that people think that osmosis is part of aez no i mean it's that's of, what i mean yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. yeah that's exactly what and i think that's a great sign i think that also enables us to do more interesting things with protocol on liquidity and with 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 governance and with with a bunch of other things uh, but we'll have to see sort of how it plays out. But I'm happy to see that this is sort of occurring, um, that people are thinking about this and that people are actually showing how they feel about this through on-chain governance, which is, you know, uh, I'm glad that we have this. Uh, so in my mind, osmosis is part of the AEZ, um, but that question will continue to keep going up. I think this definition is not something formalized yet. Um, we could think of that in the future. Uh, I think Sam Hart was sort of the pioneer on on defining or trying to define how, how this all works together. He has a beautiful Venn diagram somewhere, I believe, uh, which is very similar to how we think about the European Union, the United Nations, and all these other things. Um, and I think we're in the early stages where we'll sort of see how it goes and, and what happens here. But I'm, I'm personally 100% convinced that the AEZ is a larger subset than the uh, the atom secured zone. Yeah, and and so what are the, what are the KPIs we should be looking at here in terms right. of you know what growth. constitutes growth? Yeah, yeah, KPIs are tricky because a lot of them can be misleading. Um, so when we look at, for example, um, just the interchange stack itself, right? And when we think about how do we grow or how do we increase adoption, and then just a total number of clones or forks of the SDK is not sufficient, right? Or the total number of app chains is also not sufficient because there are a lot of bad app chains out there as well, I'm sure. And so how does that apply to um, to the AEZ? Well, I think revenue is a very, very, very important growth metric. TVL is not so much an important growth metric because TVL, you can use it once or you can use it 10 times. Uh, the volume is probably more important. I think IBC volume in terms of like US, do US dollar value is also a very important metric. Um, but I think you hit the nail on the head in the sense that we don't actually have these sort of laid, laid out and that there's not really a single team or that there's not even a group of teams that are all behind a certain metric or a certain set of KPIs in order to, you know, say that what we're doing is the right thing. Um, and I think this is something that that's, this is a real issue. There's nobody at the center of this conversation saying, hey, guys, 
from now on, informal systems, AA DAO, binary builders, HIFA, Notional, whoever else is involved, we're all adhering to these KPIs, and that's what we're doing, including Neutron, including Stride, etc. Like, it's hard to actually do that. It's hard to get to that stage. But yeah, those KPIs I think would would be a good starting point. Um, so. Adam Price, uh, not a KPI. <laughs> Adam Price, yeah, yeah. So it's funny. It's like when you talk to builders, they 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 talk less about the price of a token. Uh, Adam Price, I think actually it's a bad KPI because um, Adam Price in terms of USD is a bad KPI um, because the USD value of any cryptocurrency is beholden to the macro uh, the macro circumstances of the macroeconomical situation. So that's just a bit of nonsense most of the time. Tokens will go up and down depending on you know what Bitcoin is doing essentially. Um, but Adam's performance in relation to the rest of tokens, so the total market cap and the ratio, I think that is a very good indicator that we can start using. I'm not sure, though, at what time frame we're thinking of when we talk about that metric. Because, um, like, you can, you can see a proposal pass, like the 10% inflation, uh, you know, the recent one where we're reducing inflation rate. And that had somewhat of an impact on the price very briefly. But it's very hard to tell what exactly had that impact. Like with KPIs, you want to be able to say, oh, you know, this was this was because of X, Y, Z. It was because of this reason, that reason. And when you look at like IBC volume and you see that you just launched Noble and now you, you, you know, you know, you see IBC volume go up dramatically as part of the AEZ. Um, that's cool. We can start tracking that. We can say, oh, cool. This was because of that reason. Um, but when it comes to Adam Price, it's a bit tricky to point to the cause. Yeah, I, I think um, some some metric proportional to the global market cap of crypto, maybe maybe, maybe like yeah, maybe just relative to ETH and, and Bitcoin would be a good uh, indicator, because I think I think that also will inform the quality of Adam collateral, uh, Adam as as collateral, which which is something we can also talk about maybe a little bit later um but mm -hmm. for now i'd like to yeah i mean i'd like to maybe go into a little bit of the details of the of the treasury um yeah sure uh proposal you know where where would the funds come from are, are we talking about the community pool or is there like some new allocation of funds or growth of uh of the overall token supply here like what's the idea yeah i mean that's essentially up to the community there's a couple of ways you can go about this. You can seed the Atom Alignment Treasury with funds from the community pool if you'd want to. You can also say, hey, you know what? A percentage from inflation goes to the Atom Alignment Treasury, and maybe that's 3% or 5%, and we take that from the percentage that's going to the community pool from now on. You can say that. And there's also you know, revenue streams that we have. It's not much at the moment, but the interchange security revenue stream could potentially be used for this as well, especially because it's there to build alignment. And another way to go about it is actually um, the Neutron airdrop, for, for example, right? So Neutron had an airdrop. It's, it's coming to the community pool. I think there's a proposal on chain right now. It might have passed already. I'm not sure. And uh, that would essentially give a, a, a bunch of Neutron tokens to the Cosmos of community pool. Um, in my mind, well, well, first of all, we have to decide what to do with these Neutron tokens. But if we decide that some of that is going to be used as protocol and liquidity, and we're going to, uh, you know, like... LP neutron atom token somewhere, for example, which I think is a great idea, then yeah, that should sit in the atom alignment treasury. So um, it's going to be sort of like up to the people, up to the atom holders to decide how we want to do that. On our end, we just wanted to make sure that we could enable two things, essentially. 
One is that, you know, we'd have a much easier way to distribute liquidity as opposed to using these multi-signatures that we're doing right now. So just for some context, you know, when this proposal is going to pass where, um, you know, Osmosis gets uh, some Atom tokens to be deployed for, um, you know, uh, ST Atom and Atom, um, that means that there's going to be a bunch of people with a multi-signature wallet that are going to actually execute those transactions. They're going to liquid stake some of these tokens move them to osmosis using IBC, and then they're going to put them in an LP. And then that multi-sig has access to those tokens. And of course, we trust these people, and that's fine. But there are a lot of risks involved here. Um, there are risks in terms of like these, these their wallets can be compromised. And there's also the risk that, you know, probably not in this case, but in some cases, the the the, the, the people themselves might, might be malicious, right? I, I doubt that that's the case, but still. Um, and then, of course, it's complicated. Um, and essentially, what you want to be able to do is just like have a proposal that says, "Let's liquid stake some tokens, and then let's move them to osmosis into the." Uh, uh, my cat's meowing. <laughs> uh, let's move them into the LP uh, on osmosis. And what we're trying to do is make sure that we can essentially just have one proposal that says that, and then something happens, we interact with probably a third partner, a third party time wave in this case, um, that would like execute the logic on via, via smart contract contract on the back end. But the second thing that I think that's very important here uh, for this mechanism is that when we look at those neutron tokens again, and we think like, great, now we have all this uh, voting power on neutron, but we can't actually do anything with it. So all those tokens, I think, represent roughly like 50% of the currently liquid uh, neutron tokens, uh, meaning that the hub essentially has a 50% stake in neutron governance at the moment, but there's nothing we can do with this. And what we want to get to is a stage where as an atom holder, if Neutron decides to vote on something really important, let's say they want to say, we're changing our inflation rate, uh, or we are um, leaving the interchange security zone, you know, we're becoming our own sovereign chain. Um, if they decide to do that, then its stakeholder should have a vote on this. And right now we can't do this. And so what we're designing with the atom alignment treasury is that essentially the Neutron tokens will be sitting inside the atom alignment treasury. And then if a very important vote comes out, Anybody that is an atom holder can create a mirrored proposal, like it would essentially clone the proposal from Neutron, and it would appear on the hub with a shorter voting period so that it's done before the one it finishes on Neutron. And um, you would vote on that with your atom token. And then when the vote is completed, the hub as a chain uses interchain accounts to vote on Neutron with its full voting power. Okay, interesting. So here we have the... So I, I, basically what I'm hearing here is that Atom Alignment Treasury is more than just about how to utilize funds yeah. in order to get to these objectives, right? Like AZ growth and financial alignment, et cetera. It's also a governance, uh, a new form of governance module yeah. that allows the provider chain and consumer chains to vote in each other's um, governance um, to, to, to the extent that they can with the tokens that each of the chains hold yeah that's correct that's at the moment asymmetrical meaning that the the hub would be able to vote on neutron and stride if it had any tokens uh, and, and not necessarily the other way around um, but that functionality can be built relatively easy on the other chain but that other chain would have to do something um, so we're, we're setting the stage here we're saying like hey this is how you do interchain governance and who else wants to join can join so in terms of the philosophy here the governance philosophy uh, is the idea for then any proposal to be put up for for governance for vote on the hub and then token holders vote, or is there some amount of 
delegation of power to uh, a DAO or some kind of an organization that you know would have the ability to vote on some of these proposals. You know, similar to the way that the community has allocated tokens to AA DAO in, in order to you know provide mm -hmm. support and grants to the community. Is is it is the philosophy here the same or is it more of like let's do everything on chain or is there some kind of gradient? At the moment, it's let's do everything on chain. Like we're taking the lesson from the white paper 2.0 that came out and there was a lot of feedback on sort of like this idea that there would be some group of people um, managing these funds or managing some certain amount of assets. Um, I don't think that's really, we're not there yet. I think our governance system hasn't matured enough where we could have, or maybe it's not even desirable to have litigation um, systems like this. You know, at the moment, I think it's simply like, if there is a critical proposal on a consumer chain, you, this will be mirrored. Somebody can mirror this. You can technically mirror any proposal if you want to, but that will just be considered spam, I think. And then so I'm assuming that this is not even that much, but it could be like one, two, three proposals a year from Neutron appearing on the hub. And then, yes, every atom holder will vote because they are a stakeholder and especially because they have such a significant amount of voting power as well. Um, so that's that's the first version. I am open to, you know, seeing what the community wants and, and making sure that we have the infrastructure available to make the changes that the community desires. Um, but I think at this very stage, given how governance is going so far, I think people aren't, aren't very keen on, you know, giving, giving away their voting power to certain smaller groups. And I'm okay, okay with that. Yeah. Okay. No, that, that's interesting. I mean, I think just in terms of, you know, we, we've had this conversation before on the podcast in, in terms of uh, effectiveness of decision-making, you know, the, the community is not, not always, I think Ethan talks about, you know, uh, having the context, the yeah, competence, yeah. and those like three C's, right, to, to okay. governance. And uh, and I, I thought that was an like, apt remark in terms of people's ability to vote in an informed way on some proposals. Mm -hmm. And and there's, there's also, you know, sort of like voter apathy, right? There's also a yeah. problem where uh, in, in many proposals, you know, the like voter turnout could be, uh, could be pretty low. Um, although, you know, I think Adam governance has pretty high turnout on, on governance generally. Yeah. Yeah. So I do have some thoughts on, on this whole governance problem that you're describing. Because yeah. uh, there's two things here. Like, first of all, the whole reason why we delegate to validators and they get to vote is because at the time when the Cosmos Up was created and all these other chains, there wasn't really enough distribution of the token and not enough sort of like um, participation to get to a significant quorum that matters. And this is something we're seeing with Neutron as well, right? So their quorum for um, for governance proposals is 10%, meaning they need to get 10%, only 10% in order for a proposal to pass. And this is because a lot of the tokens are locked up and stuff. But with the Cosmos Hub now, we have so much participation, like so much active participation, and not just the less than 0.1 atom bots that we're seeing voting proposals for, for airdrop farming, but like actual people voting on proposals. And so... The first thing that I would do if, if I could change anything is, is set up a governator system of sorts where essentially you can delegate your vote to um, to anyone, not just to the valid validators. Because I know that there are validators who do not care about governance and they are not informed and they don't know what they're voting on. They don't really care. And there's lots of them who do and they are great. 
Um, but I think it would be great to give the validators the opportunity to opt out if they want to opt out of governance. And I think it would be even better if we can allow people who are you know, specialized in certain topics to be able to say, hey, vote for me. I'm happy to delegate uh, or not. Yeah, essentially you're voting for them. Um, and I'm happy to sort of like use your delegated vote to to vote on these proposals. And in that world, I also imagine that there would be specialities. So if there's an infrastructural um, upgrade proposal or something, um, the validator should vote on that, right? Or if there's a consumer chain that needs to be added, the validator should definitely vote on that. But if the, um, let's say, if there's a community spend proposal to fund a specific grant for, for something, maybe the validators aren't the right people, and maybe there's a different group of uh, individuals who've been delegated to that could vote on this specific topic. And so I do think there's a, a universe where we have people who say, I'm a specialist in XYZ, uh, topics, and that means I get to vote on these type of messages, and these type of proposals that come in, and please delegate to me. And so that's one thing of the, the, the story. And then the second one is, and this is actually somebody proposed this on the forum. I forgot their username. And I'm very sorry because like, it was a cool idea. Um, but they said, essentially, what if we um, make it so that when you don't vote actively, your vote counts less? So what that means is like if you don't actually go to Kepler and you click vote yes or no, etc., and you are essentially your vote is being cast by your validator or the person you delegated to, then that vote becomes less powerful. And I think that's actually a very interesting mechanism because this way we're rewarding the you know the we're incentivizing people to essentially like be active in the forum and active to be active in governance, and and that's something I think is very important and uh, worth exploring. It, it's it's funny you, you mentioning this because as you were talking about governance, I was thinking about this very idea of being able to delegate to you know, non-validator governance experts, if you will. And I, in, yeah. I think in Aave governance, this is how things work, right? There's no, there are no validators there, but you have these delegates. And so these are companies and organizations and DAOs that are basically sort of like specialized in governance. And as a, as a token holder, you can delegate your governance to power to these organizations. I mean, this is pretty commonplace in Ethereum. Um, right. And... I mean, we could also have this in Cosmos. I mean, you could like delegate to a validator for X reason and then also just like delegate your vote to another person, DAO or entity yeah. uh, for either all of your governance needs or as you mentioned, like specific message types. So you should you could leave like your validator could vote on parameter changes and you if you want to vote on community pool spend proposals, like you delegate that to some other entity and that entity uh, gets exactly. some kind of commission for, for that work. Um, and then on the on the voter turnout issue, right, and like the ability to vote easily, I'm gonna I'm gonna like shill this 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 uh, this thing. I think I may have sent you this um, on Telegram, but I, I I hope I can talk about this. So there's this team working on this very cool project. It's called IBC.bot, and um, and basically the, the whole idea oh, yeah. is that like you can just set up a um, auth z you give them auth z access for governance voting and they have like a telegram bot and it just like sends you every new proposal in a telegram message and you just like vote right in telegram you don't have to yeah. do anything you just don't have to take out your ledger you don't have to pull up kepler it's just like one click and it's super cool and like i hope these guys build up this product and uh, yeah. make it available for we all the chains we just had a call with them, actually, and this is a good example of like how it works with the Builders program. So we jump on a call with them, and uh, you know they tell us what we're doing building. And, and this governance thing is more of a proof of concept than, than you know the, the reality of what you can build with this is much larger. 
uh, because of Auth C, you know, you can you can essentially authorize this Telegram bot to do anything if you, if you if they build it. Um, and it could be very interesting to sort of like manage your DeFi portfolio in Telegram or to manage uh, literally anything or send tokens to another person uh, using a bot, you know, um, and you can like integrate that into Telegram. I think it's really cool. And so what we do in the call like that, you know, we, we listen to what they have to say and then we try to think about like, well, what's the business case here and what's the growth opportunity, et cetera. Um, so that's fun. Uh, but yeah, back to the governance side of story. This is a great way of, of, of getting a bit more participation. It is still a bit tricky or, you know, you have to go to your desktop and get to your Kepler wallet. Or if you're using a ledger wallet like myself or like, you know, others, I'm sure uh, you don't really want to whip out your 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 your, your, your hardware wallet uh, in order to actually vote in something. So Aussie here is perfect. And we don't have the infrastructure for that right now. IBC.bot sounds very interesting and I'm sure there will be other solutions as well. Yeah. Anyway, anybody, anybody that's interested in this should check it out. I put the link yeah. in the show notes. So you, there's a, you mentioned these other two modules. So there's the drip module and the uh, stability reserve fund module, which Yusef mentioned on his episode. I think that mm -hmm. the drip module is, is pretty interesting. What's the, uh, yeah, how, how does this work and what, how, how is this relevant to the context of like the notional proposal to claw back their, uh, their, right. their uh, grant and I think informal is also in, uh, concerned here. Right. Yeah, exactly. So uh, let's look at sort of like how funding even happens, right? So a, a team wants a certain amount of money, um, sometimes up to some several million in order to do work. So informal and HiFi, they requested, I think, 5.3 million. And so there's a couple of problems here. It's like, first of all, um, it's a lot of money. So if you pay that out straight away in one go, you drain the community pool in one go. And that's that's difficult. Um, secondly, all that money, they can either sell it immediately uh, and as such, you know, create quite some sell pressure or they have to do it through an OTC deal and, they have to, and then they get a discount and it's, it's not the best price situation. Or they stick to it and then hopefully they sell something over time and then if the price goes down, they're kind of screwed because now they don't have 5.3 million anymore. They have 2 million because for some reason the price went down. Um, or the opposite way and the price just went up um, 10x and now instead of paying 5 million we paid 50 million for this work right so that's a bit silly and that doesn't seem to work very well so um, and then there's also cases where like in Notional's case where even Notional is saying now please take the money back um, because you know our, our, there's something that's happened to our company and uh, please take the money back but we can't because those tokens are vesting and we can't do anything with those tokens and we have to do some really annoying uh, upgrade process where we literally change the state in the code and then we you know distribute a new binary to people so that's that's terrible so uh, the way to solve this is essentially and it, some of this work is already being done with with uh, with the SDK team where essentially we allow funds to be streamed from the community pool so you could set up a stream and then you know money goes to a certain address at certain intervals um, that's great, but that makes it very difficult still if you have a specific US dollar cost to cover. So let's take the case of informal systems in Haifa, they want 5.3 million. Um, you know, you can set a certain atom amount to be streamed to you over the course of a year, but maybe the atom price is very different at that stage. So what the developer or what the drip really does um, is, is does the same thing, but based on a USD value. So you would make a proposal and you would say, hey, we want 5 million. We say, okay, that's great. Um, what's the minimum you really need? What's the maximum uh, we can really accept? And you, they say, okay, cool. We want between four and seven million, depending on how the price is moving. And say, okay, cool, fine. And then essentially every day you pay them out based on what the price of atom is. If the price of atom is really low, you give them a little bit more atom. If the price of atom is really high, you give them less atom. 
very simple mechanism, um, actually not that very complicated at all. But the nice thing here is that we can like stop the funding whenever we want to. We can just say, hey, um, it's not working out for us. Sorry, guys. Um, stop the funding. Or um, we can adjust it later if we say, hey, um, atom price is getting really low. Uh, it's a bit dangerous now because we're spending too much atom. Um, yeah, so on the forum posts, um, I go into details there, sort of like how that would actually work. Um, and um, yeah, and then hopefully we go on chain with that um, next month. No, very, th those are very cool ideas. I mean, is, is, the, is the Cosmos SDK governance, I mean, basically, I mean, I think the idea that I'm trying to put forth here is that like building Cosmos SDK modules is, is very hard. It's like, this is very sort of heavy development work. Whereas building this in Cosmosm is probably, you know, 10 X faster and you can iterate a lot more quickly. And there's like less kind of surface area for vulnerabilities and, right. and things like that. Um, w would it be better for this to be built as say like a Dow Dow implementation? rather than like building this as Cosmos SDK modules, I guess then the question is, you know, where do you deploy this? Because the Cosmos Hub doesn't have exactly. um, Cosmosm that, you know, sort of puts into question a lot of, a lot of choices, I guess, from the perspective of the Cosmos SDK. But yeah, what, what's your, your thoughts on using some lighter uh, sort of development frameworks for building this out? Yeah. Yeah, this essentially comes, boils down to the question of where do we want it to sit? Well, when it comes to actually the development time, it's, I mean, we're the Cosmos SDK team. We have no problems building modules with the Cosmos SDK. We, we, we do that really quickly. Probably the fastest than you know, anyone can do, I think, in the ecosystem. Maybe besides Osmosis, they're also really fast. Um, so, so in terms of development time, we're not too concerned. Um, in terms of upgradability, it does become a little bit more tricky, right? Because it takes 21 days, essentially, to upgrade because it has to go through governance. Um, that's the one part where um, it's difficult. When we look at the atom alignment treasury, this is exactly a very valid concern. So the atom alignment treasury should essentially interface with liquidity pools on other ecosystems, right? And those can change. They, they can have API breaking changes at any point in time. And that would mean we'd have to wait 21 days in order to make, you know, that, that would be unworkable. So the way that we thought about it with the atom alignment treasury is like, well, let's make sure that the assets sit whenever they can uh, on the hub, let's make sure that this logic is, you know, on the most secure place it can be, which is the hub itself, uh, the, the basic logic of this. But let's make sure that anything that actually interacts with all these other protocols, that that sits somewhere else, in this case, Neutron. And so this is where that company TimeWave comes in, and they essentially build all these smart contracts and all that logic that's supposed to, like, interface with everything. So similarly for the DRIP and also for the Stability Reserve Fund, which is something else, we, we think that some of that base logic when it comes to like touching the hub's money should sit on the hub. But when it comes to um, actually interacting with other things in the ecosystem, so potentially getting price information or potentially um, uh, figuring out you know, where to send tokens or how to, um, you know, how to interact with a specific protocol everywhere else, um, that I think needs to sit on Cosmosm. So, in our mind, these, these products and these features, they exist on, on multiple different places at the same time where the most secure stuff when it comes to touching the money itself sits on the hub. I think that's a good framework to, um, yeah, to, to think about like where things should sit. And um, yeah, I guess, I guess in terms of building up modules, since you have the development capabilities to do this and, uh, and the bandwidth, I mean, right. these modules can also be used by other chains, right? So it's it's exactly in line with this public good idea that you're mentioning. 
earlier. Exactly. And and um, the thinking here is also that that some of these modules that we're building there, for example, when it comes to like the US dollar price for Atom, right, we need to have this information. So we need some kind of an Oracle system where we need to interface with osmosis in order to get that price. And that will be applicable to both the drip, the stability reserve, and probably later also the Atom alignment treasury. So to have that logic sit in the hub makes a lot of sense. What surprises me is that, you know, people, people raise you know, people raise a concern about like, oh, you know, we shouldn't add more logic to the hub because, you know, this increases the, you know, the attack vectors, etc. But the logic we're describing to be added here is super simple and it doesn't even interface with other modules. But then when AuthC came uh, and AuthC was added to the hub, nobody batted an eye. And that was, you know, an actual, that was a risk, you know, like th that happened and nobody really batted an eye. And there was a risk. There was also, you know, th there have been, you know, there was a there was a security issue I think uh, not a long time ago. So, you know, the the logic that we're describing here is very very rudimentary, very simple stuff, um, and, and it doesn't even touch on you know the banking module. It doesn't like mess with staking. It doesn't mess with anyone's tokens, and so there's not really a lot of risk in this case. Okay, I'd like to zoom out a little bit here. We, we've been talking mm -hmm. a lot about the nitty gritties, and um, I'd like to zoom out and, and talk a little bit about the hub and AZ and you know, where you see this going into the future. And there's a lot of overlapping overlapping topics here. You know, obviously, you know, 848 uh, was an important moment, I think, in terms of solidifying the hub's you know, long-term success and reducing the cost of uh, mm -hmm. security to the chain. That has sparked this whole new uh, debate now and sort of like internal drama about Adam one and, and this potential fork. Um, so yeah, I would like to maybe get your thoughts on this also, cause you think, you know, that the hub fork is a net win for Adam. Can you, uh, maybe talk a little bit about your position here and uh, how you see sure. this moving forward? Yeah, there's essentially two groups, two camps in, in the cosmos hub governance, right? There's the ones that say, for, for lack of a better term, hub minimalism is the way to go. Uh, we are a, you know, we offer security um, and that's it. And then there's the other group of people that says, and it's not just about Adam is money. It's that's part of the conversation, but the main part is really like, we need to innovate and we need to come up with something. Um, the, the original hub and spoke model for Cosmos is not playing out as we thought. Osmosis is more of a hub than the hub is at the moment. Um, you know, and, and IBC routing isn't really something that has found product market fit at the moment. So what do we do? Right. And there's a bunch of things to come out of that. It's like, okay, well, maybe we are money. Maybe we just turn it into the preferred asset in, in the inner chain. Maybe there are other features that we launch that we, you know, do, maybe there's different service offerings that we have like liquidity as a service. So there's like two camps and the inflation, the proposal to reduce the inflation rate was a very good way to sort of see how everyone was feeling about either side of the story. Um, and the reason why I think a hub fork is a net win is that it essentially, well, it depends how it plays out, but it essentially, you know, makes sure that the people who are aligned with the, we need to innovate, we need to think about Adam's money, we need to think about what to do with Adam, that they are the ones that are actually going to be setting the agenda, hopefully, and that the people who wanted, you know, Adam as a very minimal, or the hub is a very minimal product and Adam as a security 
as a, as a token to secure other chains, not as a security token. That's a very different meaning. Um, but uh, um, they get to do that in Atom 1. But that really depends on how, the, how it plays out. Because if you fork, you essentially create a bunch of new tokens. Um, the way they want to do it, as I, the last I heard, is that essentially the people who voted no on Prop 848 would get more of those tokens than the people who voted yes, which is a great way to make sure that you know there's alignment on that specific chain, but of course they still own their original atom tokens and they can still vote on the Cosmos Hub. So there's two things here. It's like, well, one, hopefully they give less of a damn uh, because now they have their own project and like it sets the narrative a little bit. That chain does this, this chain does that, you know, and like, and that and that's great. Um, but ideally, I would also see you know actually people selling their atom for the new atom token or atom one token or whatever you want to call it or there being some mechanism where you can essentially mint those tokens by burning atom um, at genesis or something like i think that would be the ideal um setup and that way we will make sure that you know the the people who stick around for the original atom chain get to do what they want to do without so much pushback and on the other hand the people who are really for hub minimalism they get to do whatever they want to do on their chain good luck you know like to both of us and i think that's a great setup because then we can just like move a little faster do, do you think that uh the idea of having a chain that does security and does a whole bunch of other things is opposed with the idea of atom as money not necessarily. I mean, yes. Well, yeah, actually, if you think about it, if you are opposed to liquid staking and you are opposed to reducing the inflation rate because you want to make sure that the bonding ratio is a certain percentage, you are essentially opposed to Adam's money because you are creating such a small... Uh, the, the liquidity is reduced to such an extent that Adam can't even act as money because it is all locked up because it is all being security essentially. So yeah, I think those two things are not compatible. Yeah. Hmm. What, what do you think is the hub's most valuable attribute? Like how does it really stand out amongst other blockchains and, you know, specifically, you know, Bitcoin, ETH, and maybe like a handful of others? Like other blockchains outside of Cosmos, you mean? Yeah. Then for sure, I would say it's governance component. Like that's definitely its its largest um, and most interesting um, sort of feature. Other than that, I mean, its security offering is interesting, but I think we still need to see whether or not there's a business case here. Um, that's that's the hard part. We we haven't still figured that one out yet. So, like, I think the hub could have been so much more than it is right now. The hub should have been Axelar. It should have been it should have been composable finance. It should have been. Um, Babylon, it should have been, um, what are we missing here? It could have been Celestia, you know, for all that matters. It could have been all of those things. It could have been providing services to the interchain in some sense. Um, and that wasn't the case for all kinds of reasons, which we, you know, we can get into, um, but essentially, you know, lack of leadership and organizational debt and all these other things. And so now that that didn't happen and that all of those things weren't successful, we need to sort of just figure out what to do. And I think to answer your question, like what is its most valuable feature or asset? I think it is governance because it does enable us to actually do this in, in a decentralized way more than you would be able to do that in different ecosystems, I think. Yeah. What, what do you think of uh, Sunny's take that uh, Adam should, should become a capital asset by declaring itself governance backed money um, I don't know if you have any uh, any 
good takes on this. So, so I didn't hear, I, I didn't listen to that uh, podcast, unfortunately. So I mean, he did a, he, he tweeted way. about it. He did this whole tweet mm-hmm. about like basically this, right? Like Adam, uh, Adam's greatest asset and differentiating factor. If you like, if you look at like Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Adam, like Bitcoin did this decentralized gold. Ethereum brought applications and DeFi there, and then Adam innovated on governance. And you know his point of view, and I'm paraphrasing here, is that interchange security does not does not uh, leverage Adam's uh, most valuable attribute to the fullest extent. It is basically competing against other mm-hmm. chains on a different design for doing scaling security and yeah. scaling and security and uh and that the hub would would benefit from the entire community sort of rallying behind this meme that uh, adam is a capital asset adam is money like basically do the bankless play right (laughs) (laughs) and um maybe maybe we need to maybe the maybe the interop needs to run with this right like (laughs) <laughs> run with the Adam is money meme. Um, but but yeah, and then and then that way Adam becomes a capital asset, not only in Cosmos, but in different chains can be used as collateral and grows yeah. the usage of Adam you, on, on this on this backbone of like really strong governance. And that's that's sort of the idea. And um, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of it. I think I mean, like everything yeah. what we've been doing so far is in support of this idea, right? Like literally the atom alignment treasury, literally the drip, the the stability reserve. It's, it's basically a way for empowering atom holders to be more precise and more, uh, more expressive with what to do with the atom token and, and how to leverage that and how to use that. Um, and then the atom alignment treasury specifically turning the atom token into a governance token on other ecosystems. Like, I think we're very much aligned with, with how Sunny positions himself there. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Is, is is governance Adam's biggest uh, act, gift, but also it's uh, curse. It's it's <laughs> curse. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it's both. Um, and this is what I mean with the fork. I think the fork can also like alleviate some of this curse aspect of, of this problem. And I do hope it happens. Um, I mean, I hope so, because I mean, essentially, the way I understand this is that they get to have their cake and eat it, too, right, where they yeah. get to, you know, fork i mean specifically jay gets to fork with i mean i don't know how what i've heard numbers of like um the portions of 90 million adam yeah i mean he 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 has an important stake in adam yeah uh he gets the fork and also keep his stake in adam so i you know i and then if he sells that puts like tremendous down down like sell pressure on um on adam so i think the community also needs to think about how they want to deal with this now I've kind of floated the idea that, I mean, it's some somewhat a bit facetiously that that we should prop sixteen him, but I don't think that's a good <laughs> that's a good precedent for the. I mean, hub. you can, and I thought about but, how also, but uh, you can you can do it without actually having to do any state, state changes to to the thing. But uh, also, I, I want to correct myself. I said ninety million. It's actually nine million ish. So ninety million yeah. would be crazy, but like it's ninety million dollars worth. Of, yeah. Yeah. Of power. Uh, yeah, yeah, Prop 16. I don't know. That's that's going to be contentious. But yeah, you can do that with uh, the liquid, liquid staking module. Essentially, I think you could uh, you could basically tokenize his staked assets straight away and then uh, send them in in one block to to another wallet like the community pool if you want to. So if anyone wants to do this, uh, feel free. Okay, uh, so basically stake. Okay, so his atoms would remain staked. 
Well, so you would, because they're staked, you can't. So how would you do this, right? Like, let's theoretically approach theoretically. this problem. Not <laughs> advice to, you know, to Adam so, Community no, Governance. Just no, I think a thought experiment. Also, yeah, just a thought experiment. So if you, if you wanted to do this, I, I, I'm not sure what the limitations are for liquid staking module, actually. But like, I, I, as far as I'm aware, you can technically, you know, tokenize your staked um, token straight away. This is how you can do it with, with Stride right now, for example, right? You can say, yeah. I want um, I want to use my staked atom and convert it to liquid staked atom immediately. So we would essentially do that. We would just convert um, that. You would have a message where you would convert those tokens to um, uh, to liquid staked tokens, or actually you tokenize them essentially. And then you essentially move them to some other place. And you can do that in one block. And so if you were to put that proposal up right now, there's nothing somebody could do about it. You can try to unstake, but you wouldn't be on time. So uh, that's yeah. one way to do it without actually having to do like a, a, a change in the state, et cetera. Got um, so yeah. But yeah, anyway, if anyone's interested um, <laughs> to, you know, create some chaos, if you're like a chaotic neutral person in the, in the characters of, of the Web3, this is your gameplay. Um, so what's next yeah. steps here? <laughs> On what it, exactly? I mean, regarding <laughs> regarding the uh, uh, alignment treasury and all the works you guys are doing. Yeah, so uh, alignment treasury, um, yeah, on chain uh, this week, and then if that's an overwhelming yes, we have to figure out how we get the funding for it. If the AA DAO gets approved, we will go through them. Uh, they've already signaled that they want to support this. If they if they have community also agrees, and then if they don't get it, then um, we'll just go directly to the community pool. Then we will build this in Q1 um, and then hopefully launch it in Q2. And then for the drip and the stability reserve module, that is essentially the same progress, but a month or two later. And they go in that order. So it would be the Adam, sorry, the Adam alignment treasury, the drip, and then the stability reserve fund. Um, pending approval of the community vote, of course. Uh, I want to make sure. And this is the whole thing. We've been trying to do this as transparently as possible as like, you know, openly as we can. We want to make sure that everyone has an opportunity to, you know, speak out and, and let us know what they think. And that this is essentially as much of a community project as we can make it. Cool. Well, no, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, if people are building an interchain app or, or product, they should go to binary builders, I guess, to reach out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, always, uh, DMs are always open. So. So I'll put the links in the show notes and also the uh, link to the AZ, sorry, the AZ growth and uh, Adam alignment treasury post is here in the show notes. And uh, depending on whether or not the proposal is on chain by the time this drops, we'll put that in there too. Thanks so much for coming on. It's been a really fun conversation and um, looking forward to having you on again soon. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate the time.